Thank you to the worship team. You may be seated this morning. Like I said, my name is Johnny. I'm the campus pastor here, and we are excited that you're here with us this morning, the week that school started. Oh, my goodness. You're either... So, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, man, school started. I'm so sad. Like, I could cry. Exactly, Jacob. Um, My kids are growing up. And then on the other hand, I'm like, whoo, man, school started. That's nice. Um, I loved Legos growing up. I loved Legos growing up. My brother and I, uh, we would do odd jobs around our neighborhood, mow lawns, shovel snow. Uh, I walked a few dogs in my childhood, things like that. And we would take all the money that we earned on these jobs, we'd pull it together, and we would get the biggest Lego sets that we possibly could. We loved Legos. Hours just spent in our room tearing down and rebuilding and just going crazy on Legos. Uh, We had a lot of toys, but Legos are the best toy. We loved Legos. And then I grew up, and then I had some kids of my own, and then I realized I still love Legos. I still love Legos. Sometimes I sit down with my kids. My wife can attest to this. I sit down with my kids, and we're going to play, you know, Legos together. And then an hour goes by, and I look up, and there's no kids left. There's just me. And I'm looking for that one special piece, you guys, to make that set work. I still love Legos. I can get all caught up. And the thing about Legos is there's so many different sizes and shapes and colors. There's so many different pieces. You can make anything you want with Legos. It's beautiful. There's a great toy. So to celebrate my deep love of Legos and to be an illustration, let's be honest, uh, I brought in a ton of Legos this morning. My kids were worried when I was putting these totes of Legos in my car, like, who are you giving our Legos to? Um... If you're a kid who's too old for Kids Connection, but not too old to have fun, I want you to come up here. I'm dead serious. I've got two tables here. All these kids are like, I don't want to do this. I look foolish if you don't come up here. Some of you, know, I talked to you before service, and you said you would. No, here comes, here we go. Let, look, let's give her a round of applause. She'll love that. Come on now. Seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Fourth grade, see you guys, yes. Either table, yes, please, either table. Now they're all like, yeah, okay, yeah. I get to play Legos in church. I did a kid's connection this summer, and, I, and we did Legos, and the kids, they loved it. They were like, we played Legos at church. I, yes, you did. Uh, that's what we do. So these kids are just going to play Legos the whole time this morning. And if there's not enough chairs, can we get some extra chairs and bring them up in case? Um, but I just... Uh, want them to play Legos this whole time. And when they're done, we're, we're going to look at what they made. And we're, they'll set them out here on the ledges, and you can come up and look. And as long as they're quiet, nobody sat by a sibling, did they? Okay. Uh, as long as they're quiet, then this will be a, a nice, lovely thing to have happen during the service. And they'll never forget that they played Legos. Uh, this morning, we are at the end of our unique series. We've been in this series all summer along the unique series. And I hope that if you've been able to be here for some of these messages, that it's been a time for you to feel encouraged and inspired about who we are as a community, about this church that you belong to and you are a part of. Because what we've tried to talk about is what makes us unique and how does that uniqueness impact our mission in the world? How does that uniqueness uh, uh, drive what we do in the world, drive who we are and what we're doing for the kingdom of God? How does that uniqueness motivate us in those things? And as I've said every week, this series is not about putting down other churches. We didn't call it right. We didn't call it better. We called it unique because we're not here to criticize what other churches do. We're here to celebrate what we do. And and that's really what it's all about is celebrating the way that God has made this congregation unique 
for the sake of his mission and for the sake of his kingdom. And so throughout this series, we've learned how to lean into those beliefs and those practices that we have here at this church that make us unique. And as I prepared for this week, this last week, uh, that I had been thinking about since the beginning of this series, I had been planning out all this Lego stuff since the beginning of the series, um, I had a great sense of anticipation and excitement. And then as I started writing, some of that turned into a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of trepidation. Because our topic for this morning is that we at this church value differences. We value differences. And that sounds great. It sounds nice to say that we value differences. Like, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. But it can also be a little bit loaded. Because what kind of differences are we talking about? And how deep can those differences go? Are we talking about we value differences in age, genders, race? Are we talking about different socioeconomic backgrounds, different political persuasions across the political spectrum? What kind of differences, when we say we value differences, you, you kind of walk into a situation where there's a, a tinderbox full of differences that could ignite at any moment. How deep can those differences actually go before we stop valuing them and start arguing over them? So all around us, if you turn on the news, if you uh, read anything online, you see people talking about the polarization of America. We're more polarized than ever, is what some people are saying. And this idea of polarization is just that people are gathering in their separate camps. And usually we mean that politically, right? We're polarized politically. We have, you know, Republicans and Democrats, and we're polarizing more and more and more. We're losing the middle. But we also polarize along other lines as well. People have a psychological tendency to gravitate toward others who are like them. A psychological tendency to gravitate toward people who are like them, either look like them, sound like them, act like them, are part of the same industry as them, right? We have this tendency to do that. And, and in and of itself, that tendency is not malicious. It's not as though that tendency to gravitate toward people who are like us is evil and bad and something that we need to... It's not like that. Left by itself, it's not malicious. But what happens is this can get weaponized. The tendency can turn malicious when it becomes codified. That's a, that's a legal word. There you go. All my one year of law school background coming to bear. Um, codified means that we turn it into the law. We turn it into the system. We systematize our tendencies. So instead of just saying, hey, people uh, will gravitate toward people who are like them, we say people need to gravitate toward people who are like them. People should uh, block themselves off in different ways, in different areas, in different places. And, and instead of just it being a tendency, it's a thing that becomes ingrained in who we are and in our society. If you turn on the TV or read the news, you'll see more and more people talking and acting just like that. You'll hear people who say that uh, multiculturalism will lead to weakness in our country. People who say that diversity is scary and should be avoided. Just this week, there was a crazy story of a, of a woman who's running for city council in Michigan, and she was saying that uh, people of different races should not marry each other. These are real ideas that people carry around, and these are ideas that we can hear and see in our news and on the airways. People say we shouldn't value difference, but that we should stay in our groups of people who are like that because other groups are dangerous. This is just, this is just a thing that's in the air right now. So we, the people of God, have to think about this. And how do we do that? How do we think through these issues? How do we think through moments like this? Well, I think we need to 
go into Scripture. And so today we're going to open this up. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians. And I think that uh, the words of Paul to the church in Corinth are still the words of God to us this morning. And I think that they can help us as we think about what it means to really value difference and the power of valuing differences. So let's get in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 12, go through 14, then skip a little bit down. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Skipping down to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My son Joseph is nine. He uh, would love to be up here, but he's in the back, and they're having fun back there too. He's nine years old, and I've always been amazed at his ability to follow Lego instructions. When he was three years old, he started playing with the little Legos. He just... He had no time for Duplos. He went right to the little ones. And he could follow the instructions in ways that amazed me. Um, but he was still a, a little kid. And I remember when he was probably about five or six, he got a set that was for nine to 14-year-olds. All these Lego sets have kind of the ages that they're supposed to be for. And he got the set. And he didn't want any help. He had this covered. He's got it. He's good to go. And he gets done. And it looks like what's on the box. It looks like a completed set. But as I looked at the table next to the set, I saw that there was too many pieces left over, that there was pieces that he had not put into the set. And so when you picked up the set, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit creaky. It, it, didn't, quite, it didn't quite feel like it was held together as tightly as it should. Or maybe there was a part that was supposed to articulate and turn and move, and it just kind of was fused together. It looked like the thing on the box. He'd done a great job, um, but there was some parts missing, there were gaps in the construction, there were pieces missing, and that made it not function the way that it was supposed to. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing to a church that has deep differences and divisions along a couple different fault lines. They were along socioeconomic lines, they were along religious lines, and they were along cultural lines. So there were some Jewish Christians within that church, and they were there alongside the majority of that congregation, which was made up of Gentiles. So that's, that's different. Um, there were many poor people in the church, and they worshiped alongside some very, very wealthy people. And then there were people with Latin names in the church, uh, which is a clue that they were Roman citizens, they were Latin. And there were people with Greek names, which means that they belonged to people groups that had been conquered by the Roman Empire. They come from different cultural backgrounds. And so here you have these divisions, some socioeconomic, religious, and cultural divisions. And some of those might not seem like big differences to us today, but in the first century, it would have been quite extraordinary to see people from so many different backgrounds coming together to worship. That would have been strange to people around them that, that this was happening. 
But even as they gathered together to worship, those differences created tensions. The rich members were given precedent over the poor members. The culture of the Roman members was elevated over the Jewish members. There were fault lines that were emerging in the church among the believers that Paul needed to address. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, there's some pretty dramatic things happening in the church. Paul spends a lot of time, a lot of ink, writing to the church in Corinth because they have a lot of issues, and a lot of those issues come from the fact that there are so many different types of people gathering together in one place. So Paul begins this conversation about the, the, in, the, the importance of difference. He begins this conversation by saying something profound. He says, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. In other words, he says, regardless of your social status, regardless of your religious background, regardless of your ethnic makeup, we have all been baptized by the same spirit. We've all been baptized into one body. No matter where you came from, Jew, Gentile, free, or slave, those are big divisions. No matter what division exists among you, we all belong to one body. See, Paul knew about the human tendency that we all have to gravitate toward those who are like us and away from those who are different than us. It's not a new phenomenon that we are experiencing. Maybe it's more polarized than ever, but this has always been the way that people are, is this gravitation. And so he knew that the culture that the Corinthian church found itself in would inevitably pull members away from one another. The, 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 the culture that the Corinthian church found itself in would have said rich people need to go with rich people, poor people need to go with poor people, Jews need to stay with Jews, Gentiles need to stay with Gentiles. They would have been pulling people apart. People would have been cloistering together. And Paul, into that, knows that what God had for the Corinthian church was so much better than that. Because while our tendency is to separate, while what we will do left to our own devices, and again, it's not malicious, but what we will do is float and gravitate toward those who are like us, God has chosen to unify. Where we separate, God chooses to unify there is not a different spirit given to rich people and poor people. There is not a different spirit given to Latinx people or black people or Asian people or white people. There isn't a different spirit given to children or the elderly or a different spirit given to men or women. This sounds obvious, but this is what Paul is saying. No matter what your culture says, no matter what your internal wiring tells you to do as far as gravitating toward people who are like you and otherizing people who are not, no matter what that says, the truth is there's one spirit. And it's the same spirit, and it's been poured out on all of us. Where One spirit is given to people, and the spirit unifies them into one body. And the picture of the body that Paul chooses here is so important. Because what's true about the body, all of our bodies, is that even though it's one body and it's unified, it needs to have different parts that are different from each other to work. And, and the verses we skipped, Paul kind of goes into this, and he goes, he's very like, the ear can't say to the eye, and, and if you have a nose but no eyes, then how can you see? And he just kind of really goes, goes deep into this idea uh, of why a body needs to have different parts. But that's the truth. We only work as a body, people, because our parts do different things. So instead of saying, we've all been baptized by the Spirit, 
So now we're all the same. Paul says, we've all been baptized by the Spirit so that our differences can be unified in the body. Those are two very, very different things. And Paul launches into a description of the ways that the body needs its parts to be different in order to properly function. But if you read closely, you'll see Paul goes even further than that. He says, not only do we need to value our differences to function properly, not only, right, do all of these parts move differently and act differently as part of the unified body, not only is that something we need to value, he says we are supposed to recognize that even the parts of our body that can seem less important have special and unique value to the mission of God and the world. So yes, we say we value all the parts of the body and all of their differences, but Paul takes it one step further than that, and he says, all of the parts, no matter how insignificant, right? I like to say, my wife can tell you, I have the weakest pinkies in the world. It's a strange thing about me, just terribly weak pinkies. I'll thumb wrestle you. I'm not going to pinky wrestle you. You'll win. Um, but these pinkies are still somehow important to my body. That's what Paul says. And he blows that metaphor up to talk about the church. And so what are the pinkies of the church? What are those people and those places and those things that, that we say that's less important or that's not as valuable but Paul is saying, and God is saying, yes, it is just as valuable. All of that is important to the mission of God in the world. So this week, I visited a member of our church who cannot make it to service very often. She's In churches I grew up in, she'd be called a shut-in, right? She's a shut-in. She can't make it to service. Her name is Phyllis Hall. Some of you know Phyllis. Phyllis is 101 years old. I know She's 101 years old. She's still sharp. She still recognizes me when I come in. She's 101. She's been a member at this church for a lot longer than I've been alive. I mean, she is, she's been around. She is the great-grandmother of this church in some ways. And when I visit her, it's always a powerful experience for me. When I visit Phyllis, it's always powerful for me. The love she has for God and the love she has for the church, it, it ministers to me. And I tell her every single time, I say, Phyllis, you think I've come to minister to you, but that's just not true. These visits minister to me. They're good for my heart. They're good for my soul. So this week, when I went to visit Phyllis, I took my daughter Eliza with me. So this is a picture of Phyllis and Eliza meeting for the very first time. And it was a, it was a holy moment um, that I was so glad that I was uh, there for. When I started writing the sermon, I didn't think I was going to put this picture up. Um, but as I was going through this part, I realized that this moment that I got to be part of is a perfect illustration of what Paul is talking about. Phyllis is 101, and she can't attend services anymore. Eliza is three years old, and she has some uh, fairly significant special needs. Uh, we don't know what Eliza's future looks like, but she's got some significant special needs. And what Paul says, and what God says and what I believe is true this morning is that the two people in this picture are as vital to this community as me or Sean, who leads our worship, or Pastor Suzanne, who is our head pastor, or any members of the ad board, or any of our elders, or any of our deacons, or Sunday school teachers, or youth leaders. Phyllis and Eliza, according to 1 Corinthians, according to God, Phyllis and Eliza are just as valuable and important, and perhaps more so if we carry Paul's metaphor out, than all of those other people. Without Phyllis and Eliza, our body suffers. Without them, we're missing pieces. And we can look like we have a whole body, but there's, there's something missing. It's not working quite the way it's supposed to. It's not held together as tightly as it should be. Without all of you, 
That's the truth. And all of the differences that you bring, all of the needs that you bring to the table, all of the background that you bring to the table, whether that's socioeconomic or racial or whatever it is, all of those differences are vital to who we are and they make us the body that God wants us to be. Without those differences, we are missing pieces that are integral to the whole. And that's why we value differences in this church why we say it, and why we're trying our best to live it out, to value differences. Because we believe that all those differences that we bring to the table are vital to us being the church God wants us to be and are vital to the mission he has given us in the world. And when we separate ourselves out or when we minimize our differences and pretend we're not different, we are not bringing the fullness of who God wants us to be to bear on the body. We are actually withholding from the body what the body needs when we don't live into our differences. We are his body, beautiful and broken and diverse. And we, and we need all of that beauty and brokenness and diversity to carry out God's will in the world. That's what we talk about when we talk about valuing differences is recognizing that all of us, with all of our differences intact, bring something to this community that this community needs and that the world needs from this community. And as we continue to bring more people in and as more people continue to join us and, and visit and see what in the world God is doing here at the bridge in Johnston, they will bring differences. They will bring uniqueness. And all of that beautiful difference and beautiful uniqueness will just make us better for our ministry in the world. Not when we minimize it or ignore it, but when we live and celebrate into it. So what do we do with that this morning? Well, a few things. The easiest thing you can do to celebrate difference is to come up after service and look at the creations these kids have made. We're gonna set them up on the ledge and you're gonna look at these creations and you're gonna see why we need so many different pieces. I have a, I did this with kids and I had a, a I brought 12 Blocks that were all the same color, all the same size, all the same shape. And then I brought 12 different pieces that made a little car. And so I built a little wall from the blue, you know, four by twos. And then I built this wonderful car because I'm a great Lego builder. Um, and I said to the kids, which of these is better? And they were like, well, duh, the car is for sure better. And yeah, it is. It's better because we need these differences. So after the service, come up and look at these creations that these kids have made and consider how the different pieces are needed. That's us. That's the body. And then the second thing that I think we can all do this morning and every day is to get to know the other pieces around us. Get to know the other pieces around us. Find out what makes you different and actually talk about it. Find out what makes you unique and different and diverse as a people and talk about those things. Let's work against our human nature to gravitate toward those who look different or sound different or act different. Let's work against that tendency and be open about the things that make us different so we can discover how those differences can be used by God to make something beautiful. Meet somebody new this morning or, or in the coming months and talk about your lives, talk about yourselves, talk about your difference so that we can know who we are as a people and we can do amazing, beautiful ministry out in the world around us. So kids, I'm kicking you off the stage. Take your Lego set such as it is. I know it's not perfect, you guys. You could work all day. 
Take your Lego set, set it on the ledge, and go back to your seat, or the worship team will be mad at me that you're clicking and clacking Legos while they're trying to sing. We're going to pray this morning. I am already seeing some cool stuff, man. I'm loving this. Set them down and head on back. There you go. As slow as they were to come up, they're even slower to stop playing Legos. Like, are you sure? Can we come up after? That's good stuff, man. Those are sweet. I want to see if we got like some master builders in this church. I think we do. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are grateful that the way you create and the way that you um, form and build and shape is not sameness and it's not conformity. That you have made a beautiful tapestry of humanity across all different spectrum of race, across all different spectrum of interests and personality styles, God. That we have so much difference right here in this room and that as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth so long ago when they were dealing with their difference, God, that difference is not weakness and that difference doesn't have to divide us, but what it can do is actually unify us to be something better and greater in the world. Like a body needs all of its parts, God. We need all of our differences come to bear those things, those passions that you've planted in our hearts, the encouragement we can give to one another and the mission that we can take out into the neighborhoods and the communities that we live, God. What a, what a rich blessing. So I pray that you would give us courage to swim upstream against a culture that divides and against a culture that tells us that the, the other is different and that we, we're better off if we just stick to those. No, 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 God. Give us the, the courage and fill us up with your spirit so that we can swim upstream toward your kingdom so that we can do your work in the world around us. God, I'm so grateful for all of these people and all of these pieces here in this church and all the unique ways that you have put us together, God. We love you so much. And we're grateful for the chance we have to come and worship you this morning. I pray all this in your name. Amen.